You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. On our podcast, the goal is not just to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon and talk about what we're learning and what God is doing in us and in our community. The sermon you're about to listen to comes from our fall 2023 sermon series, The God Who Rescues. In this series, we're walking with the Israelites from Egypt to Mount Sinai, looking at how God redeems and forms a people for himself. You can find more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. So today we have the opportunity to continue our conversation um, by inviting in Kirsten Berger, who has been our youth intern through the summer and uh, into the fall, and she's been doing a great job. Um, Kirsten, my first question for you is... What would you say have been some of the the key lessons you've learned through your time here at FUMC and specifically, you know, this summer when you had to kind of shoulder more of the load because Jeremy spent half the summer in Mexico? That it's okay to make mistakes Hmm. and that you're learning. So I know that I don't have as much experience as Jeremy yet, and I haven't even had an official youth group on my own yet, but there's definitely been a few times that I've made a few mistakes, um, and they're just, like, simple mistakes, but, like, I can be very hard on myself, so I'm trying to learn that, like, it's okay, because I know eventually when I actually get my own kids, there's definitely going to be mistakes in the long run, but I got to give myself some grace. It's a big lesson to learn. As I'd say, it took me years to learn that in ministry um, because you just feel like the pressure of what we're doing. It's not just a clock in, clock out job and you don't care of how it goes as long as you get paid. And so the pressure of that can intensify how you view things going the way you anticipate or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, but what for those that are listening that don't know you, who are you? How did you even end up here? So, well, like Pastor Scott said, my name's Kirsten, a typical college normal kid um, who's going into youth ministry. But a little bit of the backstory is Jeremy used to be my high school youth pastor, and Pastor Scott was at Trinity for a little bit until he left. Classic Scott. Um, Pastor Scott was at Trinity for a little bit of time, but Jeremy was my high school youth pastor. Jeremy, how long were you at Trinity? For me, he was only there for a year in my life. Okay, and and how long was I at Trinity, Kirsten? Let's see, I came around my freshman year, so like until about maybe my junior year, I would say, right? He was there through your senior year. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. I was there your entire high school Oh, yeah, that's right, because Jeremy sprung um, the communion thing last minute on you for 30-hour famine in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott was there. Yeah. 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 But I I was just there all the time. Anyway, keep going. Keep going. So what happened was things fell fell through for school for me last last fall of 2022 and I was kind of in this weird mindset with God kind of just questioning my life and where I'm going um so I reached out to Jeremy and he showed me around the church and went to young adults like once or twice met Hannah stopped going and then somehow (laughs) 
um, I got roped in to go in the passion and then was thrown in Sunday school a week later and then going to MWA by myself with these kids I barely knew. Which, so I'll give a little clarification <laughs> and context there. Kirsten was already in youth ministry, was already majoring in youth ministry, but there are complications in continuing education. Uh, and, and last night she just shared in her testimony about um, kind of like God providing and her like sharing the sentiment of the Israelites when they're in the desert and they're like, God, why did you bring us out here to die? And so it was like, why'd you bring me all this way, like into my degree for it not to work out? And um, then we got connected, got her to passion. And, um, and then we had her join us for our last winter retreat, um, which the other female leader ended up uh, backing out last minute due to a stomach bug. And so that's why she was by herself. It wasn't planned that Kirsten would be thrown into the wolves as the only female uh, adult, but it ended up working out great. And so what happened after winter retreat? Catch us up from that. Um, after winter retreat, doors started to open more for me. So I got to know the kids a lot better. Um, and it was less awkward for me to talk to them. They actually started asking Jeremy if I could come to youth group more because I wasn't set as a leader yet in youth group fully. Um, so then after that, I just started showing up every Sunday because they kept asking. Um, and then eventually... I was supposed to do an internship for school that I forgot about. So I asked if I could do it during the summer and I got the intern through the summer. So God is good. What is it about youth ministry that gets you excited? Like what, what gets you out of bed in the morning when it comes to thinking about being in ministry with our youth? They remind me of me as a kid of when I needed somebody the most. I think part of me is I didn't have much of that growing up until I got in the youth group. So part of me is like, it's like a healing part for me to be able to help these kids that they're in similar situations, that they need somebody to help mentor them. That and I get to be a kid with them myself. What's better than that? But it's also just partly seeing their faces and how much they you're showing that you have an impact on their life. There's multiple times that even at work, I'll go to my boss and be like, yeah, so my youth kids told me I'm the Reserve of Oz this weekend and so much more. Can you tell I'm new to this whole podcast stuff? Kirsten, what's the worst part of youth ministry? That these kids are taller than me. So, like, when we went to Ocean City Retreat, the other people, I guess the other youth pastors, thought I was a student and not a leader. So, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or if I should take it as an insult. But I'm taking it as a compliment. They're just jealous because they don't have interns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You'll be grateful to look young one day. I wouldn't know, but I've been told. (laughs) We all want what we don't have. When you're young, you want to look older, and when you're old, you want to look younger, which is just weird to me. I don't know, you're just never satisfied and content. Oh, here's a question for both of you that has virtually nothing to do with any of this. What is something that you think would make your life happier? Like, if you had this one thing, life would be 
going much smoother and much easier for you, whether it be a million dollars, whether it be marriage and kids that never talk back. Ooh, I actually, and, I, and, I, and I ask that to the listeners as well. I want them to think of something. I actually have a really good one. Go. That if I could, like, any moment could, like, ring a doorbell to God and just ask him to reveal what's next for me instead of having to wait, if that makes sense. So, like, if God was a magic eight ball? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I know that sounds bad, but like... But I think it's honest. I, it's I think a lot of us want that. It's just like a season of waiting. Like, you don't know what's going to go on. I mean, when I was going through the school thing, I wish I could do that, because then I would have never guessed I would be right here. You should do a sermon series on that, Scott, as the next sermon series. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to be, after we finish up here in Exodus, and spend one week covering all of Leviticus, and buckle up, friends, that's going to be a... A good one. I think it's just Scott having me read the entire book of Leviticus. I would not do that to people. (laughs) But then after that, we're going to move into Numbers, um, which one of the things I love about the book of Numbers is we we look at that book and we're like, Numbers, that sounds like a terrible book. Why would God put a math book in the (laughs) Bible? And um, but if you if you were to look at it in Hebrew, the name of the book is actually In the Wilderness, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to call that sermon series. And, and we're going to look at the different ways that God showed up for the people and the different ways that we can trust God, the different areas of our lives that we need to trust God with, even when it can be hard. Like, it's hard sometimes to trust God in the waiting. Sometimes it's hard to trust God in provision to provide. Sometimes it's hard to trust God in our pain. And so we're going to look at some of the stories that are told through the book of Numbers so we can see how God's inviting us to trust him in the midst of those things. Yeah, and so we have Kirsten that wants that direct line and response from God. Scott, how about yourself? It might be the ability to create an extra day in the week. (laughs) You know, like to have another day that's not a work day, it's not already committed, but just like to create another, more time. I was going to say, because if you added another day, then wouldn't that just fill up like we fill up all of our days now? Well, it probably would, but to have the opportunity to try not to do it, you know, um, I don't know. It's so hard, and I'm not. I'm sure I'm not the only one who struggles with this, but it's it's hard to spend a whole work week doing what you need to do, and then you know by the time you get to the weekend or whatever your day off looks like, there's so much stuff around the house and relationally that you need to do. I kind of wish there could be like a day for all that stuff, and then another day where you could do the stuff that is actually restorative and recreative within you. And and maybe I just need to get better at time management. And so then my follow-up question would be, would you prefer to have things the way they are now without the direct line to God, without the extra day, and be content with it? Or would you rather have that direct connection with God and know every single season that's coming up for you, have that extra day of rest every single week and be discontent with your life and those things. I refuse to answer this question until you answer the first question, Jeremy, what would you want? 
I would want Scott to stop doing that. <laughs> no. Um, I would want to have, like, a set time for hobbies and friends outside of the church. Because I feel like I really struggle with making that time or have that be in the regular flow of things. Um and so, yeah, I'd say that one. So, content with current circumstances, discontent with what you desire. I, I would choose to learn to be content. And that is something that I'm trying to work on. And part of that is learning how to set healthy boundaries. So that way there can be more balance in my life. A little bit like... Kirsten said earlier about being okay with making mistakes. For me, it's a little more about like learning to let things be undone or maybe not to not to strive for the same perfection for perfection's sake. Like there there's a lot of things that just need to get done and if it's not quite a hundred percent, like it's okay. Yeah. Where I mean we don't wanna not aim for excellence, but that doesn't have to be perfection and so i think those are some of the things that i'm learning these days is how do i set those boundaries and how do i be okay letting things be undone for the sake of having more balance in my life kirsten i'm 50 50 on both but i should be content because if i have him revealed like what he is like, if he were the reveal, kind of, everything in front of me right now, I'd probably be even more anxious. Mm-hmm. And um, probably, like, saying, what in the world is going on here? Because that's what I still tell myself about my career, because I was not supposed to go into youth ministry at all. Yeah. But, yeah, no. And, and that's what the whole, like, future knowing thing. It's that whole, if everyone knew uh, when they were going to die, is it going to comfort or discomfort them like actually knowing that future are you going to then panic are you actually going to have more of a fruitful life knowing what time um are you ever going to be content with the time that god's allotted us on earth and so i'd also reflect that second question to the listeners with whatever you came up with whether it be if um one of the things i hear most common is like uh if i just had uh you know the american dream the nice house the white picket fence and then like enough income that i don't have to worry financially but if you were to get all of those things and still be discontent with your life and your and everything around you then is it really going to be all oh, that's all cracked up to be and so forth so on whatever your heart desires and so kirsten uh if you were gonna be banished from youth group forever and always and never be able to contact any of our kids again but i let you record one audio message to them, what would you say? Oof. Um, Bergie's out. I feel like something short and simple. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, I'm still processing that, like, when I get my own job, that I actually have to get new youth kids. So, I would kind of try to keep it short and simple. Uh, just so it doesn't hurt me as much, but also like let them know that Bergies loves them, and hopefully this wasn't actually my fault. I'll fight for my right to get back. 
<laughs> that would be the message. Fergie's out. I hope it wasn't my fault. I'll, I'll try to be back. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, and I think that's a, a, a great point about, I think, youth ministry and, and ministry in general that we can talk about. Maybe Scott can elaborate a little bit on, like, what was leaving Uganda like? Because it's not even just like a, oh, I don't work with them, but I'm still like 15, 20 minutes away. And I can, you know, you're literally going across the world from the people that you invested in for so much time. What was that like? It was hard, obviously. Um, for us in that, there was also a sense of we were leaving missionary service. And so there was... Uh, an identity that we had to grieve in that it's like any move far away you know you have to grieve those relationships you have to uh, learn to trust those people into God's good hands trusting that even if you're not there anymore he's still working he's still gonna do what he needs to do in their lives and hope and a prayer <laughs> at that point. You know, it's yeah. And I think uh, the part you mentioned is like the identity part as well. Of like, I remember even leaving training, just telling people like, I'm no longer your pastor. Mm-hmm. Like in that shift mm-hmm. uh, was, was very odd. And I think it's also, it's so relational. It's not, like we talked earlier about just like a clock in clock out job, whatever happens, whatever to the people that we're serving or the people that we work with. Um, but to, to be so fully invested in it and then for that to change in a season and then how, what do those relationships look like afterwards? Yeah. When we may personally desire for more proximity and yet God calls us to something else and, and trusting in him too. But for me, it, it's become more of like the people that we inevitably leave to a degree unless God calls us home very soon. We get to keep them in our lives, even if it's not to the same degree in the same environment. But then also wherever he sends us, know that he has just as amazing people, though very different, different backgrounds, different stories, different everything. But like as long as we're going to continue to be in the body, there's other brothers and sisters in Christ that we just haven't met yet that um, we'll get to know and get to learn their stories and how God's worked in their lives and all those things. And so for me, there was a lot of excitement coming to FUMC Collingswood for that aspect. And uh, they didn't let me down as I got to know them, which is great. All right, Kirsten. So since this is the Beyond the Sermon podcast, anything that God has been saying to you through the current sermon series we're in, where we're looking at Exodus and Moses and the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, anything God's been speaking to you? I don't think it in particular has to do with the sermon, but obviously with graduation and everything coming up, um, one thing that's been on my mind is missions. Mm. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not against it, but it's a kind of a thing of me trying to figure out what I'm going to want to do with my life. Like, do I immediately want to become a full-time youth pastor right away? Or do I want to take that downtime and go into missions? Um, Or do I just want to stay in this cycle of youth men because I'm enjoying it? But at the same time, when I look back at, like, missions out in Chicago and Wisconsin, even though it was... Technically, youth men, even though I had new groups every week, Mm -hmm. 
being able to see like the different ministries out there like if you were like a missionary um was kind of like cool to see like the change of pace and the difference in it that's kind of been on my heart lately and through my head that I'm still wrestling with myself and trying to figure out so when you're preaching that's what she's thinking about I get it I get it yeah I've come to accept that it's all it's right. It's not that if, I don't love Scott's don't listen sermons. To my sermons. It's all right. No, I, 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 it's not that I don't love Scott's sermons. I just. But it's not not like you don't like. <laughs> it's like I'm listening, but then at the same time, God's like to me, "Hey, you know, mission still sounds cool and all." So there's like two things going through my brain at once. Mm-hmm. But his sermons are great. And as horrible as as horrible as that can sound, I know kind of what you're sharing. Like when we were at the conference the other week, like all of the things that I wrote down for sermons and for lessons and for things, ministry God had been like speaking into my heart during someone else's sermon about something completely different. Yep. And so it's not, uh, I don't want people to fully take that as like a, well, I'm just zoning off and thinking about missions and ignoring Scott, but like it can stimulate those thoughts and, and provoke other, other questions in your head about ministry. Which is exactly how it should be because the point of the sermon isn't to listen to my words or whoever is preaching. You know, the, the point me. of the sermon is to create a connection with what God's saying. Mm-hmm. And so if God's leading you to think about missions as we talk about, you know, God calling Moses to do something that he never thought he'd be able to do, mm-hmm. then three cheers for God speaking to you in the midst of that. You know, I, I don't I don't take that personally because that's my goal. That's my heart is to have people hear from God, not from me. Can I ask you two a question? Yeah, but we won't put it in the official pod. <laughs> it's okay. What's your question? No, I was just, I'm just wondering from like an actual pastor's perspective, like how do you feel when you're waiting for answers, but you still feel like you're not getting a direct, clear answer from God, no matter how many times you're praying, you think you're getting a signal and sign, but it ends up not being it. But just like in any situation, Pastor Scott, you were saying that, you didn't know you were going to be a pastor at all. How did you feel? I mean, I don't think becoming a pastor somehow magically makes it easy to trust God. Yeah. Um, I think that there are absolutely things I'm currently praying about that I don't feel like I have an answer for. And I don't feel like I know what God wants to do in the midst of that situation. Yeah. And it's still hard. It's still something I have to choose again and again to trust and and to keep bringing it to God and to keep asking um, and to continue, even when I don't feel like I'm getting an answer, to do the things that I know that we're supposed to do to build that relationship, to keep that connection, to create the space where God can speak into that situation. But it doesn't necessarily get easier. And I think that's just part of being bound by time and space. We don't always, we're not always able to see the whole picture. Um, Until we look back in hindsight, we can say, oh, 
well, that's how God was orchestrating those steps. That's how he was working in that situation that I didn't understand at the time. And so I think that's also where what we're called to do is to look back at the times he has moved, the times he has spoken, and trust that if he is the God who spoke before, he can be the God who speaks again in the future, even if he doesn't seem like he's speaking or we're not able to hear in that moment. Specifically pastoring, I don't think makes it easier in any way, but I think by walking daily with him, like he said, being in those routines of prayer and the word, drawing closer to him, the more you're in that, the more you will see and recognize what he's done and what he's doing, and therefore it becomes easier to trust him in the stuff that you don't know because you've seen him work miracles, you've, you know, heard testimonies, you've seen it in your own life, whatever it might be. And so it makes it easier to hold on to those things to encourage you to trust in him in the times you don't see what's happening or you don't know his plan. Um, and so that's why through, through the internship, you know, there's times where just like Kirsten, read this whole book of the Bible yeah. or go pray. And it may seem like just busy Christian work, but I know that that stuff is going to help fortify you personally and in ministry yeah. much better in the long run than, um, I don't know, polishing my shoes, which reminds me there's four more pairs you have to do now. <laughs> um, or whatever else. I wear shoes to church, but I rarely wear my fancier shoes. Anyway, um, but no, so that that's where I think for, for listeners as well is, uh, you know, we talk about it so often. It's only because it works is like the simple spiritual disciplines and creating rhythms of those in our daily lives really do make the harder things, the things we may be discontent with, so much easier to uh, get through with God and trust him. And I would say in being a pastor that it, sometimes makes it harder in the sense of you're seeing more of the faults within the church and the backsides you've seen, you hear people's really tough stories and testimonies yeah. and what they're going through. And so it makes you, your heart hurt for them. And you're also alongside them. Like, I don't know why God's allowing this to happen. But sometimes it also makes it easier yep. because you're getting to see behind the scenes into so many more people's lives. You get to hear some of the stories that yeah. maybe the average church person doesn't get to hear. And you get to see the different stories of redemption and healing that are happening in people's yeah. lives and families. Um, that It's such a privilege. It does make it a little easier because you're getting a, a broader experience of it. So... I think I think, and and that's why I think the the broader experience can pull you into the extremes of both ways, and uh, it really just depends on on the season and stuff. Because sometimes it's you're getting five bad stories in a row. Sometimes you're getting five really good encouraging stories in a row, and it can just uh, alternate. But uh, one last thing, because we are closing up here, as I was curious, Scott, I know due to mission moment and communion, we had a little bit shorter of a sermon than normal. Is there anything that you left out that if you had like the full 45 minutes you normally take that you would have uh, included into your sermon? Yeah, there's a fascinating conversation between Old Testament scholars about this story about in what way the people of Israel were being tested. You know, at kind of in alternating breaths, God says, tell the people to come up on the mountain. And then the next breath, he says, 
tell them not to come on the mountain because they can't do it. And so kind of the question of whether God was trying to uh, test the people and see if they would come up on the mountain, trusting that if God said they could do it, they could do it. Or in the midst of that question, recognizing their own sinfulness and fallenness and trusting that they needed someone like Moses to act as a mediator between them and God and be the for him to be the one to go up on the mountain. That's a fascinating, fascinating conversation to me and to think through, you know, sometimes God does ask us to do stuff just to see if we'll trust him and, and, and if we'll do it because he wants to test and see where our trust is and if he can trust us with more. Well, that's our conversation for today, but that doesn't mean the conversation is over. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these topics as well. To ask a question about anything we've discussed in this episode or to join the conversation, you can head over to fumccollingswood.org slash podcast. Thanks for being part of this conversation.